0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, my name is Ritu and welcome back to the High V Buzz podcast, proudly sponsored by G4 Claims, an accident management company specializing in providing support to those individuals in non-fault accidents. This week we're joined by a very special guest, a man who's made 177 appearances for Hibernian FC. He helped lead us back to the Scottish top flight and of course captain the Bees to our first Scottish Cup win in 114 years, scoring that infamous goal that saw us lift the Cup back in 2016. Joining us at HTC today is Hibs legend David Gray. Dave, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, we, we obviously <laughs> we had you on the Highbeer Buzz before. Uh, we did a longer podcast on your coaching journey and, and how that's unfolded so far. So we wanted to um, look in, look back at your playing career um, with your testimony, when the corner wants to kind of take you back down uh, memory lane. So, first of all, Edinburgh, born and bred. Can you tell us a little bit about, well, your first memories in football? First memories in football? Uh, I started,
1: well, I had my best mate lived across the street from me. And I had our two older cousins that were five and six years older than me. And any opportunity we had, we were playing in the street, playing football all the time. That was what it was. Christmas times, birthdays, it was always get a ball, new strips, my United strips, whatever it might be. Um, and that was basically anywhere I went, I always had a ball with me, that sort of thing. Um, and then I joined, the first team I joined was Lone Head miners, uh, it was just a local team. Um, my dad was a Lone Head and that was the team I went joined there, I think I was seven, seven or eight. Uh, and I was there for a couple of years before moving on to what's now the wrong side of the city for uh, a few years before
0: moving down south. Tell us a little bit about, that switch then from Edinburgh to Manchester United, it's obviously a, a massive move. How did that come about? Yeah, just from playing. Um, actually, I think I was about 12 or 13
1: when I first heard of some sort of interest. Well, I think my dad had first heard of some sort of interest from down south, um, which he never told me about. He never told me for a long time. Um, and then I think it was you know, during school holidays, Easter holidays, I got the opportunity to go down on trial. And I think I was about 14 at the time when I actually managed to go down. Uh, 13, 14, um, and then always on school holidays and things like that. Um, I was lucky enough to get the opportunity to keep going back. I really enjoyed it, and then when I I got wind of the opportunity um, to go in full-time,
0: I was desperate to go and do that. Yeah, was it a a no-brainer? It's obviously a big decision to to go down south, but for you, was that just like, that's what I wanted to do? Uh,
1: I think I made my mind up pretty quickly that's what it was. It was difficult for a number of reasons. I think, you know, 15, 16, leaving home, leaving all your mates, leaving your family. Um, it was difficult to try and, even just like things like, i go back to even when I was on school holidays, you know, your friends are away doing things and I was away working, well not even working, but I'm going and playing football all the time. And at the time you you, you see it as like, are you missing out on anything? Because you're just young and naive and thinking about what your friends are doing. But then now that I'm in the position I am now, I think about how good an experience that was for me and how good it was. And, and how grateful I am for mum and dad to actually let me go because I've got kids now and I imagine to let them go at 15 to go and live with um, a family they've only met once or twice um, to go and start my, my own life down there was must have been a big decision for them as well to allow me to go and do that and it's one I've always been very grateful for um, but as soon as I got the opportunity with the facilities and the opportunity to go and play for at the time one of the biggest clubs in the world and still are um, I knew pretty quickly that's what I wanted to go and do
0: how does it work then in terms of when you go down at a very young age? You have to, I think you go into to digs and that, and, and how was that kind of initial process of, of setting into life in Manchester?
1: Yeah, so I went into digs. Um, I actually moved into the house where, well, when I was on trial, I, um, I went to the house where Darren Fletcher was living. So he was in digs with family, um, Marion and John, um, that I still keep in touch with now. we have been, um, were a big part of my life from sort of 15, 16, till I was, I think I moved out at about 18. Um, so, Big part of my life Um I moved in with another couple of players Darren Gibson and um, Kyle Moran who I still keep on contact with as well so it was very much um we gave you the opportunity Marion taught me to cook a lot of things like that you know like even just ironing and washing and wee things so as much as it was great that we had someone there who was able to look after us they were also very good at um making you understand what it's actually you can have your mum doing everything for you so it was really good from that point of view as so. well. Yeah and
0: in terms of from the footballing side of things, was it obviously helped that you'd gone down on trial a few times so got to know a few of the, the lads, but was it daunting your first kind of few, few days, few weeks at United or, or did you, you settle in quite quickly? Uh, I
1: think I, I, think I settled quite quick. There's obviously times when you do get homesick. I think I definitely was at times, um, but I was quickly reminded that the guys I was with um, were in the exact same boat as me. I think Darren and Kyle were both Irish lads that were over. Um, and I was lucky enough that Darren Fletcher was there who always kept an eye on us as well he would take us to the cinema sometimes take us to Trafford Centre once he moved out he always kept an eye on us and looked after us so um, I'm very lucky to to have the opportunity I was given and I think at that age as well you're just delighted to be doing what I was doing I was spending as many hours as I could at the training ground learning and working as hard as I could Um, and then just enjoying being 16 year old and hopefully the world at your
0: fear that time that's what you think about don't you and then well it's funny you mentioned Darren Fletcher because um, an interview just came out that, that he didn't ahead of your, your testimonial and, and he mentioned that although he was I think four years older than you he, he kind of he grew up in kind of similar areas and he kind of had a, a connection towards you because obviously the Scottish connection but and he said he kind of helped look after you a little bit how important was was having like a senior figure like that to you when you are at United?
1: Very much so. I think it probably was a bit of a, a comfort blanket to my mum and dad as well, especially when I was younger, 15, going down. As I say, he was still living in the house that I was uh, staying in, so it was great to have that. And he came from the same area as me. He grew up in sort of Mayfield, Dalkeith, and I'm just a mile or two along the road. So, as I say, very similar backgrounds. Uh, and then ultimately for me, it was great to go and see him
0: do so well in the first team, and a bit of an inspiration for me to try and work towards. Yeah, definitely. When, when you... You moved it, am I right in thinking you were a winger and then they kind of transitioned you into a right back? I uh, yeah. you know there's a little bit about, about that. <laughs> or is that, is that right? No, nah, it is, but you were right. I went down as a sort of winger stroke striker, eh, more of a winger type. Um,
1: and then if I'm being really honest, I don't think I was ever tricky enough to be a winger at that sort of level, especially. Um, I think I went over to play a, a bounce game with some of the fringe first team players that maybe hadn't been playing and a few reserve players and needed a right back to play in the game. Mm-hmm. And I think just so happened that I got put there one day and then I think as well I probably got more yellow cards for smashing people playing up front rather than uh, recognising my defensive side to the game was probably better than I was going forward. So uh, And I was able to attack from deeper in the way they played as well which probably suited me not being as tricky but more sort of running power. And so they seen me as that was sort of position they wanted me to try me and I tried that a few times and
0: I really enjoyed it and ever since then I've, I've never played anywhere else really. Mm-hmm. What was it like being at academy like United and such a huge club and especially back then doing so so well there's you know, huge players, characters, egos, it just in and around the place. What's that like to, to kind of be a part of thinking back?
1: Uh, I, I think initially you're always, it's, it's daunting to be fair. I think it, these are people that I've watched on the TV and like superstars of the game. Um, and then when you take the manager into that as well so that was Ferguson, I think that was the first time in my life I'd ever been like Star-struck the first time I met him and every time I did meet him ever since then, it was always, you know, you put the fear into you at times, but it was always great He pull out a bit of a soft spot for me because I was Scottish, which definitely helped. Um, but I think when you then put it all together, it, it just quickly reminds you exactly where you are and the challenge you have in front of you as a young boy, but also the
0: opportunity you've got. Mm, what was he like to to, to play under and, and, to, and to play for? Because, you know, everyone calls him the boss, like, one of the best managers and not the best manager ever what, what was he? What was that like to play in a game when you did make your debut for example to play under him
1: uh, obviously it would been my first game it was I was nervous very very nervous He made me feel quite at ease and spoke to me before it at length but I was also quite lucky that there was I think the back four of that day Wes Brown played uh, Michael Silvestri and Gabriel Heinze was the back four so it was quite an experienced back four um, and has quite a bit of experience around about me so obviously we will lean on that but the way the game went, he wasn't too happy at half time I actually got away with it because I, I was younger. But the other three got a bit of a roasting film, so I was uh,
0: sitting there quietly, keeping my head down in the corner and just keeping myself to myself. Yeah, you, people always talk about um, Fergie's kind of standards, and, and yourself uh, as a coach. I heard you talk about um, standards need to be high enough. People need to, to be good enough. Do you think that you know growing up un, under Fergie and you know that that's kind of ingrained into you that the high standards that Manchester United players set themselves, or the manager sets them. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think it's something that run right through the club at that time. I'm sure it will do now. You know, one of the biggest clubs. I think um, at that time, especially, they were renowned as one of the best academies. So you're getting the pool of probably the best talented players all over the country at that time, and all over the world now. Um, so I remember it was always really such a big thing to talk about professionalism and standards every single day. Um, and you'd be amazed at the ones that usually find the most talented, the ones that don't put it all together, are the ones that are not there in two three years' time down the line. It's the ones that really understand what it takes to be a professional first and foremost and uh, work as hard as they can to because everyone's got that opportunity at 16. It's about who can then prolong that from there. And I think there's no coincidence that even if you don't quite make it to Manchester United, um, there's a lot of players, especially not just at my age group, but all the age groups coming all the way through, have made a good career out of the game, which is the most important thing.
0: During your time then, you had a couple of off loan spells as well, um, out in Belgium, at Antwerp, um, in England as well with Crewe and Plymouth and so on. How did they come about and was that a case that you, you just wanted to get you know more senior minutes in your legs or, or how, how did that, of all of those three teams, how did that all kind of come?
1: I think um, I was at that point where you played uh, under-18s football and in a few games in the reserves and I think that was the next step for me. I wasn't. Um, it wasn't as if I was knocking on the door for the first team at that point, but an opportunity came up. We were using um, Antwerp as a sort of feeder club at the time. Um, and I got the opportunity to go over there with, with three other players. It was Danny Simpson, had just came back, so I was able to go out when he came back. Um, Ryan Shawcross went over because Johnny Evans had just came back. And I think Fraser Campbell and Darren Gibson were staying there for the rest of the season. So it was like the second half of the season for me, just to go on loan, um, which was a brilliant opportunity. Unfortunately my second game I done my cruise in the game, so obviously I got cut short. I had to come back and then rehab for that and then got myself back fit. But at that point and then I'd obviously missed what, six, seven, eight months in my career. I had to then start going again and then that was when the opportunity to go back out loan came up and I went down to Plymouth um, and I had two really good spells in there where I really really enjoyed it. A couple of injuries here and there again, that was a big big part of my. You know, I, I never really got a good run at it. Um, for just different reasons, different injuries along the way, which is all part and parcel of football, obviously. And um, But I really enjoyed
0: my time going out on Then, 2010, you made the decision to leave United. Um, when I'm writing, you had the option to stay. Can you talk about the decision to join uh, Preston North End on a permanent basis?
1: Yeah, I think I was at that point where I'd experienced going out and playing um, at Plymouth in a championship and really enjoyed it. And I was at that point where I, I knew that I still could have stayed for another year, but I wasn't any closer to the first team and they'd signed a few few players in that position and I knew I wasn't going to break through at Manchester United. An opportunity came to go to Preston, um, which was still in the Championship, still in the same area I was um, living in, still in the Manchester area. Um, and it was just a, a very good opportunity for me. And I knew at that point it's something I wanted to go and do. And uh, it was Darren Ferguson, who was a manager as well. Um had a good chat with him and he was he was keen to take me there. So... I knew pretty quickly that, that was the right move for me at that time, and
0: then that
1: was when I moved on to
0: there. Was was it like, was it a sad time in terms of leaving United, or is it more excitement at, at an, an opportunity to play more regular football? Or is it kind of a bit of both?
1: Yeah, no, I think it, it probably is a little bit of both. I think everything that I would learned and done at Manchester United was preparing me for for football anyway. I thought whether that be at Manchester United or at another club and. i I, I can't make it manchester united it's about trying to play at the highest level you possibly can and that was the opportunity that was presented to me and then i was really grateful for that to go and play in the championship and i was at that age where i needed to be playing first team football and get my my career back on track obviously a few injuries i'd had at that point
0: that i needed to go and get games because i hadn't had enough at that point in my career Mm -hmm. mentioned that the the injuries i know you had quite quite a few probably around that spell in your career how Difficult were those setbacks, and, and how much kind of mental strength you need to, to kind of push through them and, and make sure that you come back and, and come back backfiring.
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely a massive challenge. I think the flip side to that is I was very lucky that I picked up some big serious injuries, but at a place like Man United, where you've got the best facilities. It definitely helps. So I was very fortunate for that. Um, you know, fantastic facilities, swimming pool every day that you can use, top physios. Um, and the best possible rehab programmes you can get so I was lucky that it happened to me at that stage in my career from that point of view that I was able to then push through that and try and get back it's very difficult when people around about you are progressing and moving on and I was at that age where I needed to be playing and um, it definitely hindered me a little bit of course um, but every single time you just my full focus was just desperation to try and get back on the pitch as soon as I can and try and get back to the, pos- the best possible level I could get to and try to focus on things and parts of my game that so, for example, if you're not able to, to run, am I able to get stronger upper body-wise? And I was at that age where I was able to sort of change my body shape a little bit and try and focus on
0: the areas that I could focus on less so when I'm playing. During that time, then I think I think you're at f- five different clubs in, in the space of five years, whether that being on on loan or, or, or permanently. As a player, what's that like to to be moving around and, and having to quickly adapt to new new teams, new teammates, new situations surrounding managers, how, how difficult is that as a player to, to kind of adapt to?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think it probably depends on the dressing room you go into. I think I was lucky that all the dress rooms I've actually been involved in and played in, they were all really good ones. There was never, I didn't ever feel that I had shared a dressing room with a real bad bunch of boys or anything like that. So that made it quite easy. And I think every single decision I've ever made to go anywhere has always been, and at that time, what I believed was the right one. So you're going there full of excitement, ready because you feel that's the next step in your career where you want to ultimately play at the highest level you can and if you feel that's the right step for you at that time to then get to where you need to get to, then I always try to make the decisions and I'm a massive believer that I think everything happens for a reason. I think if it wasn't for that injury in and, and Antwerp, what would have happened? I don't ever think that way, you know what I mean? I always just think that was meant to be so I had to change my mindset and focus on something else which was, that that was actually the time when I came back and bought my first house so that was when that was the next step of my my life, so I think I I massively believe that, that everything happens for a reason and um, everything was shaped and meant to go that way. It's just about
0: working as hard as you possibly can and having no excuses at the end. You mentioned everything happens for a reason. Then the next step was was the move to to Hibs. Um, became Alan Stubbs' first signing for the the club. Can you tell us a bit about how how that move came about and and how important it was to 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 kind of move back home for you. It was important at the time because I just had um, my youngest Ivy had just
1: been born. We were living in North London, so I just I left Stevenage just uh, prior to that. And Haley, I think she'd be first to admit she struggled a little bit with living on her own when I'm at work all the time and then coming back and um, probably missed home a little bit and missed the child support that Mm -hmm. you get. Um, So when I got an opportunity to come back up the road, I know Haley was was dead keen to try and get back up for obvious reasons. She's a self-employed hairdresser, all our clients were back up here as well. So I think it it made a lot of sense from that point of view. And I also knew coming back up what I was signing up for, which was obviously the opportunity to get my career back on track at a a fantastic club in a city that I know very well. And I've went through being all over England at times to being half an hour away from mum and dad and the rest of my family again. So I knew that if I could get the family life all settled again, that I could fully focus on the football again and try to kickstart my career again. it's turned out to be the greatest decision I ever made from a
0: footballing point of view. What um what were those initial conversations with, with, with Alan Stubbs like then? Did you kinda of talk a lot about, about family and part of the um that was part of the reason why you moved or was it also about, you know, what his vision was for the club and, and how important are you you would be going forward?
1: No, I think it was as I say, the opportunity. So when I was grateful for the opportunity to start with, I think it also it was also a massive transition period when the club had just been relegated. Um the opportunity, albeit to go and play for Hibs in the championship, if you would say that sounds like not a great opportunity, but Rangers were in the championship, Hearts were in the championship at the time, and I'm pretty sure that the championship that year was more exciting than the games in the SPFL. So um, it was a really good time. I think I enjoyed playing in the big games like the derbies and going to Highbrochs and things like that. You know, it was a you get when you're down south, you get caught up in playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, but when you come back up. You know, it's it's what i have been used to be watching when I was young and everything. And it was brilliant to be part of that. And mum and dad come to all the games. And it, it was just the right fit at the right time. And as I say, it was a, a rebuilding job. So it was an opportunity for us to really put our, our own stamp on it. And I think with the, the staff at the time, so obviously the manager, so Stubbsy, Taff and John Doolan, were a big part of that from a coaching point of view. And then you're George Craig and Leanne that were, were rebuilding it from behind the scenes. And
0: um, it just felt like a real... Close togetherness in that group at that time. You mentioned the big games. Um, I'll take you back to the 29th of September, 2014, 3-1 win at, at Ibrox, and you scored your first professional goal eight years after making your debut. Was that a release? If I'm being honest, I, I know you're going to say that. <laughs> I would say no, purely
1: because I think it's just just the way it fell in certain games, like. I never ever used to, so when I, when I was down south, I was always back for set pieces, for example. Um, so that's what that's my excuse for that man. And uh, <laughs> I was always more of like, again, some of the teams that I played in, coming back to play for Hibs, the way we wanted to play at Hibs, I feel bath were very attack-minded, so it really suited me, I enjoyed getting forward. And I also believe it was the fittest I've ever been in my career as well. You know, when I came back up, that was as good as I felt, especially that first season. Um, I never that. Never really had any knocks or injuries really, apart from the back end of the season. So I was able to get a good run at it, um, and felt fit enough and strong enough to get them down all day, which was great. And then, as you say, just so when I when I when I score, I I think it was, I'm going to put it down to the change the system, rather than just being hopeless for eight years. <laughs> I
0: wasn't getting that. I got the role, the freedom to run forward. <laughs> did so? Did did? Um, was it Stubby then that that changed? you're saying that when you're down seven you are down stuff, you did not go up for set, set pieces did that change when, when you came up to Hibbs did he want you to go up or, or was it actually just more kind of going up and down it, it, as part of the set? Uh,
1: no about everything probably just a different way of playing I think we played a diamond a lot so when you play a diamond obviously your full become important from width point of view um, so I was able to get forward a lot I had a license to go and do that and especially playing in that shape whereas in, and think from a set piece point of view I was always up for set pieces I don't know if that's just what he's seen in training or whatever and at the time um, you know it's like down south there's loads of usually your full backs would be the ones that stay back I would be one of the smaller ones and so that would be, always be the way it was but um, no that's just the way
0: it panned out it? The end of that, that first season you are appointed captain for the 2015-16 season first of all how proud a moment was that for you? It was um, I think I remember my very first game actually when I was given the armband
1: was against Dumbarton at home uh, Liam Craig was the captain at the time and he'd be injured or suspended he was probably suspended for shouting at the referees well. <laughs> never got booked for a tackle on his life and been suspended all his life um, so when I got that I remember that night and I remember the man at pulling me in and just saying I'm going to make you captain for today and I'd only just been at the club for a couple of months it wasn't as if you know there was other people in the dressing room like Paul and Louis who had been at the club for a long time that I thought would be the obvious choice so to be given that responsibility and opportunity I was obviously very grateful for um, very proud and very humble to be to given the opportunity to be honest and then ever since then it probably well it made me the I uh, the, uh, like sort of vice-captain and then that's when the start of the next season uh, Liam left so it was the manager then decided to, to give
0: me the armband and I was delighted Let's talk about the 15-16 season then um, well it turned out to, to be an absolute whirlwind how would you some from that season up, uh imagine a mixture of heartbreak, elation, pure joy, a bit of everything. Absolutely. I think um, I think at stage we were on for the dribble
1: at one point. It was unbelievable. Um, no, I think the biggest frustrating thing with that the whole season was I believed we were, I still think we were the best team. I think we were very good. I thought that group of players was good enough to go and play at the top end and compete at the top end in the in the Premier League at the time, which we showed in the cup runs, because we got to both cup finals. Um, and then, I think when you talk about the highs, so getting to the first cup final against South County, you're going in there going, right, great opportunity, but, and then on reflection, we'll be the better team in the game, probably, but lost the game, so then you're sitting going, well, that's, that's not great. Um, and then straight off the back of the game, we actually had Inverness away, I think it might have been on the Tuesday or the Wednesday after the cup final was the second leg because we'd uh, for the Scottish Cup. For the Scottish Cup. Yeah, it was the second leg. So uh-huh. even if we like it was very much an, like, an opportunity, as soon as that was done right opportunity to try and get back to Hamden again. So um that was all the motivation we needed for that one. So that was great. We went up there and managed to get a positive result. And then when I then think about getting to the final even the even the semi final, when you think about the semi-final, semifinal that went with Jason Cummins thinking the penalty over the bar and Conrad having one of the best Goalkeeping displays I've ever seen, but my hip goalkeeper was fantastic on the day, and um, it just seemed like it was falling into place. For that point of view, then I even now I'm reflection, when I think about that whole Scottish Cup run, when you think about everything that went on, like two 0 down at Tynecastle, get back to two two, then Tom clears off of the line, and then so you get through that one, you go to the second leg and win, and then just everything that went our way in that run, you know, you start to think about like this: Could it be? Could it be? the whole time the full focus for the whole season was we need to get out of the Championship that was the, the ultimate goal and we had to get out of the Championship like Hibs couldn't do another year in the Championship mm. um, or it would be a massive failure in our eyes and that's exactly how we treated it um, so to lose to Falkirk on the Friday night in the playoff was probably the lowest I think I've ever felt mm-hmm. and career-wise it was, wasn't, was just horrible
0: for everybody involved I think and then how how from sorry to interrupt how, to go from that feeling, how do you then, with the Scottish Cup just being a matter of, of, of weeks away, how, how how do you manage to lift the team as captain um, ahead of such a, a massive game and a chance that can literally turn your season around in, in one game?
1: Uh, I think we went from, I think if you ask everyone involved, I genuinely came in on the Monday fully believing that we were going to win. And I think it, it might be the mindset of changing from wanting to win to needing to win. I think that might be, especially in my my head, the way I was going into the game. If we hadn't won the Cup that year, it'd have been such a nearly season. And there was that term, hibs that kept floating around. And it it wasn't something that was ever, I got asked about it quite a bit, and I know a lot of the players did, but it wasn't something we ever talked about. I think we just genuinely felt to a man then going into the game against Rangers that we could beat them. I thought we felt, and then when you look at the teams on paper now, I still believe we had a better team. And if we turned up and played as well as we could, that we were good enough to go and win the game. And I think that's, coming in on the Monday, Felt really felt that way, that we're preparing for, obviously, the biggest game of the season, without doubt, because that's was our last opportunity to try and um, get a bit of silverware for what would have been such a nearly season, as I've just said there. So I think that was all the motivation we needed. I'll, I'll never forget the feeling lying on the pitch at Hamden, having lost to up County. The feeling sitting on the Friday night after Falkirk, and I was desperate to do anything I possibly could to make sure that wasn't going to happen again and I really got a sense of it on the Monday coming in that everybody was in the same boat and we had one opportunity to try and salvage the season and it would have, I think if you'd asked any Hib supporter at the start of the season would they have took the Scottish Cup over promotion? I think a lot of them would have said yes just to try and get rid of that, uh, but as players we agreed then we wanted, we wanted both of us, so um, no it was it turned out to be obviously the, the greatest moment in my, my career. and. I've almost said this before but I need to be careful about I word it, but one of the best moments in my life to be honest. So.
0: Absolutely, you mentioned the run to the final, Wraith, Hearts and both went to replays. Dundee United needed extra time and then penalties. It, it was only fitting really that the final was going to be just as dramatic. What, what was that? What were those 90 odd minutes like to play in? Um, actually, I
1: don't think I touched the ball for the first five, five six minutes. The ball was just rolling about everywhere and I was like, any chance to get a touch here. I, my first touch was a tackle. I just kicked it and booted it. So um, no surprise there to go his first touch of the tackle. <laughs> but we started obviously really well. And obviously Stokes on the day was as, as good as I've ever seen him. He was unplayable on the day. Um into a man I thought we were very good. I thought we were lucky to be only one null up at halftime uh one one at half time. Obviously went one-up there and pegged us back with Kenny Manuel scored. So to be sitting at 1-1, going in at half-time, having felt like we've really dominated the game, was a bit... I don't know, because then the conversation at half-time then was, listen, just keep going, trust it, keep doing what we're doing and we'll go and win the game. And then to find yourself 2-1 down, that was a bit of a... I wouldn't say shock, because I still felt we were heavily in the game. I felt they did have a little spell when they did score, so it wasn't completely against the run of play, but I felt for the next 5-10 minutes it went really flat. Mm -hmm. And I think that probably was a quick reminder of what we just experienced in the whole season. So it's was like, well, here we go again. Yeah, ha- having done so well just to then... You say, go, oh, here we go. But then that quickly changed. I don't know where it was, whether it'd be McGinn smashing in the tackle or something And we just got a little bit of a leg up again. And it felt then, as soon as we got the second, we got the second goal we got to go 2-2 Stokes is close to the corner. At that point, even just before that point, but especially from that point on, I felt that there was only going to be one winner at that point. I felt fitter than them, stronger than them. Um, at that, that time and it felt like we were on the front foot and had all the momentum going forward and
0: if we didn't score when we did I fully believe that we'd have went on to do it an extra time Let's talk about that I, iconic goal then get a corner in the, in the 92nd minute Henderson goes over to, to take it w- what do you remember from watching him go over to, to take the ball and then from the moment it left his boot? I remember I was breathing heavily hit that point I was going to say someone else but I was absolutely <laughs> knackered
1: because we'd actually I think we'd just done I had done a bit of pressing just before it in the 90, 91st minute pressing won the ball back won a throne in the halfway, through threw it quickly so we broke away quickly and then I remember thinking can you go up for this corner here but I, I do vividly remember walking up taking our time setting it up because we had talked about and know it's easy to say now in reflection but we had talked about how big an opportunity set pieces were um, we felt we were a big opportunity for us to score. Rangers had lost a lot of goals, and we had boys that were willing to go and put their head on it. So, especially with Hendel coming on, we delivery. We'd obviously just scored from a corner previously, and I remember going up. and We always discussed where we were going to run, like right? between us, the four us, where we were going to go. And uh, Nicholas and says, I'll go one. I said, I'm going to go two. And as soon as the ball left his foot, I knew I was getting it. It's, it seemed to take quite a bit of time to come in. But I knew at that point I was going to get it and actually when I watch it back I actually think they should defend it better. I don't think I should get it. I think the defender should clear it. But it was weird. I just felt like at that time I was going to get my head on it and then as soon as I do get my head on it I knew I had a good enough contact on it that I'd scored. And then from there I, can't, I think i guys done six celebrations and one watching it but <laughs> at that time I can't really remember. I just ran away. And then the next thing I vividly remember was just the Stephen McLean, the referee apologising to me and saying I need to book you. Oh, it is. That what always said. And he said, I'm really sorry, David, but you know the rules in it. And I was like, no problem. So,
0: it, it, <laughs> is that, um, is that w- whatever, then 60 seconds from when the ball left your head, is it just kind of, can you even remem- remember what was going on, or is it just pure elation? Yeah, pretty much. I, I know it probably sounds but
1: bit corny and cliche to say that, but I, I genuinely, I think you can even see it. I, I don't really know what I'm doing at that moment. I just run just keep running. And then I realise, I think it, I remember looking at the sort of, advertising board that was in front of me thinking I'm not getting over that so I just kept running <laughs> and then there was a gap in the corner I was like a horse that just ran out of the stable there's a gap was like that and I just kept running and then as I was running I ended up looking at somebody in the crowd and just ran right to them I don't know why no reason no wasn't as if I'd ever thought that was ever going to happen or what I would do if I ever scored as I said I hadn't scored a goal before I came here so I've never ever went into a game thinking see if I scored today I'm going to do this <laughs> so I've never ever thought that for sure Um so that was as you can see, pretty safe to seal off the cuff and just as I say, the greatest moment in my my footballing career and if not my life.
0: What were the next from when the referee McLean blew the whistle at full time, what were the next two minutes, twenty minutes, twenty four hours, forty hours like? I imagine it was really been some some celebrations.
1: Yeah, I think the next two minutes, I never touched the ball again. And the game I think the ball once came down my side, and I remember willing it just to say, please go round the other way, just go back, just go back the other way. And eventually I went back to Baron McKay, and I think he tried to switch in, it, it went out. And I knew as soon as he kicked that, I knew it was going out. I knew he'd overhit it straight away. I thought, that's going out, that. that's going out, go out, and it went out. And at that point, I remember walking back up and squeezing back up to the halfway line and just looking at Daz thinking, this, I've done this, year. I've done this. And then lo well, and behold, you that's know, 30 seconds later the whistle had went, and that was it. And then I've, obviously the pandemonium that happens on the pitch after it and everything else, it was just the start of unbelievable enjoyment from the Hibs fans. It's something that they'd, they've obviously been waiting for for such a long time. So to hear, to see it, to be involved in it, to be um, lucky enough to, to play a big role in it, I've, I'll be forever grateful and I'm very grateful for the opportunity
0: absolutely the, um, we'll, we'll touch upon the, the testimony in just in just a bit but um you went on it wasn't just that goal and, and that moment that um that you'll be remembered for I have so next season was an equally important season to get back up into the the premiership and you scored on the three0 win against um queen of the South to clinch the the championship title how was it how important was that uh, for yourself but also for the team to make sure that we got back up to the Premiership um, the year after winning the Scottish Cup?
1: Yeah, I think that was, so as I say, it it masked over the fact that we'd failed what we tried to do, winning the Scottish Cup. So winning the Scottish Cup definitely masked over the fact that we'd failed, because we the objective to the start of the season was to get promoted back to the Championship um, and, have a, and have a good run in the Cup, try to win a Cup. So then going on the next again year was like, we must get promoted again. And then we had the opportunity to play in Europe as well, which was great. Um, but that was the full focus again. We kept a good part of the squad together. It had been together for a few years now, and they obviously added to that um, in a good way. And I, I know I, as captain, I was very lucky that there was so many good pros, so many such a good dressing room. There was a real good balance with class clouds in terms of Jason and Boyley. At times, you know, what you need them sort of characters in the dressing room when, when back of a defeat, Jason and Boyley were still always going to mess about and always light in the mood, let's just say. And then you've got the the top professionals like Daz, Paul and Louis that are always there and always set the standard every single day. And then you, you've always got the mix in between with boys trying to come into the club and make a name for themselves, or like young players coming through. And I think we had a real good balance at the time. So going into the Championship that year, I think, obviously the new manager as well, I think Neil Lennon, came in. Um, so we fully knew what was in front of us. And I think at that going into that season, obviously Rangers weren't in the league anymore so it was about us and we were a big scalp in the league so there was certain games where we probably struggled a little bit with teams coming and sitting in but we had to find a way to win games and then I think on the whole it was a successful season because we got promoted at the end of it. so it was a little bit of relief but it was something that um, I was just delighted on the last game to be fair Daz had scored two mm. um, so he'd be all over thinking that he's Unbelievable when I popped up at the end. So he gave him a bit of a stick at the end to say, Ah, oh, shock, you turned up at the end, you ruined the party. So nobody's ever mentioned the fact that Daz scored two in that game. It was, did like, oh, David Gray scores one at the end. Like it does. But no, was, uh, I remember that game well for that reason. Daz was on a hat trick, I remember it. And then we scored for, from, actually, from a set piece at the end. So, no, I don't know I'd ever live that London McGregor with a hat trick. So, i delighted it was me and not him for once.
0: <laughs> Look, at, you, you've said it's, it's the best, um, one of the best moments in your life, that, that goal. Um, in the Scotch Cup final but but looking back and reflecting on your playing career then would you how grateful are you that, that you did make the decision to come back to Edinburgh to come back to Hibbs, uh, uh, and would you say that that Hibs has been the highlight of your playing career or is it as you said everything happens for a reason and you enjoyed it all, all
1: No a million percent has been the, as I said hell, the greatest decision I made was to come back up the road I, I had opportunities to stay down south and it would have been easy for me to be selfish and say no I want to stay down south because It's so hard to get down there in the first place. Um, But at the time, as I say, it was just right for me and my family to come back. And as I say, it's the best decision I've ever made. I'm very grateful and lucky that, yes, I was the one that was fortunate enough to score the goal. But the team I had around me at that time and the team from the minute I I signed for the club that was being built, um, I've I've been lucky enough to play with some fantastic players, some great people, some great professionals. and as I say, the club has just went forward all the time, um, and it's at that point now where you, you know, look at it now, we're, we're looking to, to build and go forward all the time, so it's a real good place to be, um, and as I say, I'm just so lucky for the opportunity that
0: I've had. So this interview, you mentioned a few um, a few players, you mentioned star Fletcher, Darren Gibson, um, Darren McGregor, Conrad Logan, for example, all of them are coming back um, to Easter Road this weekend to play in the... In the testimonial, in your testimonial, uh, how much are you looking forward to to that occasion? You're using the word play, I think. (laughs) For them, possibly, I think it'll be
1: a case of being on the pitch for me, I would imagine. Um, No, I'm looking forward to it for different reasons, I think. Great to catch up with some people I've not seen for a very long time, um, which is great. Um, I think the whole thing about a testimonial is... I don't like the attention. If I'm being really honest, so it's not something I'm very comfortable with. But at the same time, very, very appreciative and humbled and honoured to be given that, given a, given a testimonial. Um, and for all that, I, I just like to thank every single player I've ever played with, every, every staff member that's ever I've ever worked with, all the managers I've played under, um, and more importantly, all the fans that, for the minute I've been at the club, they've been so supportive through the highs and the lows. Um follow those absolutely everywhere and I appreciate at the moment, especially with what's going on in football this, and in the world, it's a very expensive time to be a hip supporter. So like I'm very supportive and not surprised at all by the support that all the, the things I've had so far and I'm very grateful
0: for everyone um and, and all the hard work that goes on around about me. Very well well said, Dave, just finally then uh who's gonna win on Sunday? Oh can't get beat. That's <laughs> never gonna
1: absolutely. It'll be good actually. I think um, I've spoken to a couple of the boys from down south as well, and they're saying they're not coming up here just to make up the numbers so that <laughs> it could be good. I'd imagine it to be quite fiery, which is good. I'm looking forward to it for that point of view. That's for sure.
0: Definitely. Well, um best of luck with the testimonial on Sunday. Thanks so much for, for joining us and for sharing your experience. Um a true inspiration um for all the Hibs fans out there love hearing your story. So yeah, top man Dave thanks a lot. Thanks very much. Cheers. <laughs>
1: Podcast Network.